Hey, good morning and welcome to Five Alive Devotional. And we are here joined today with our eldest daughter, Addison. So it is actually five of us. And we are uh, studying the Word of God this morning, starting in John chapter 6. We are going to read verses 1 through 15. And Xavier is going to read for us this morning. And uh, this is Jesus feeding the 5,000. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is in the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on the same that were deceased. And Jesus went up into the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples, and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread, that these may eat? And this he shall prove, said, and this he said to prove him, for he know he himself knew that he would do. Philip answered, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. Of this disciples Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley barley loaves and two fishes, but. What are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in a number of about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is a, a truth that the prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and make him by force, take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain to himself alone. Brilliant. So this is um, what our scripture reading is today. Uh, There's a few things I want us to notice right off the bat. And first of all, that is, it is Passover time. And so if you recall just a few verse chapters ago, we were talking about Passover and we're back on Passover again. And so it's Passover time. Uh, so it's been a year since the last time we talked about Jesus at Passover. And, um, and so people are on their way to Jerusalem. And so we're at the Sea of Tiberias and there's people on their way to Jerusalem and they hear about this prophet miracle working person that has been healing the sick. Uh, he remember uh, he healed the the man the lame man at the pool of Beth Bethsaida he uh, or Bethesda and he <laughs> we've always mixed those two up uh, or I have I should say anyways um, and then and then he's also turned water into wine he's done several miracles so far and so people have begun talking and the word has begun to spread throughout the community of all of Israel that there's this man named Jesus and so they are uh, seeking him out and so curious people have gathered and they've found him uh 5000 is the number that we're given today and there's a, a a few things about Jesus and i i find this very um Uh, personally important to me, and that is that Jesus sees the people. And I don't just mean like he sees this crowd of people and he's like, hey, there's a crowd of people. What a special guy I am. No, he like he sees the people, but 
in each individual person, he actually sees the person and, and he sees them for who they are, for what their heart is. He looks past the number and sees the individual. Uh, next thing I think is so viable for us is that Jesus recognizes their heart or their need for a shepherd. We've seen that in a couple of places of scripture before, but as he sees these 5,000 people, his heart, his compassion has gone out for them and he recognizes that they need a shepherd that will not lead them astray, but will lead them in truth and towards our heavenly father. And then he notices that there is another need. There is a specific need in this moment. And that need is that the people are hungry or it is lunchtime or dinner time, depending on where you're from, how you call that. And, and he sees the need is that the people, um, have a desire for food. And so his response is not one of immediately providing food, but his response is to look over at Philip and go, Hey, what's up? I wrote it in, in like Matt Roland's term here in my notes. I said, Hey, what's up, homie, Philip, where can we go and get some bread for all these peeps? Okay. That's probably not what Jesus said. We read exactly what he said in the Bible. And he's, he's like, Hey, Philip, where can we go and get enough food for all of these people? And what's Philip's response? He doesn't have enough money. He doesn't have enough money. 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them. So, I mean, he's like, hey, that's a great idea, Jesus. But like, we don't have enough money. And is Philip the treasurer? No. Who's the treasurer? Yeah, Judas is the treasurer, and he's like, hey, we don't have enough money for this. And, uh, and so he's like, hey, I, I don't know what you're going to do. I mean, you're speaking in impossibilities here, Jesus. How is it possible for uh, us to feed all of these people? And gosh, even if we were to get bread, you know, go into town and try and buy bread, who's going to have enough bread for all of these people? And, uh, and so obviously, um, Philip is kind of, questioning where is Jesus coming from in this moment and uh and and then you have another person that enters into the conversation almost immediately and that's Andrew and it doesn't say that Jesus addresses Andrew but Andrew kind of overhearing this conversation because it says specifically that Jesus turned to Philip and asked him the question Philip gives an answer and then Andrew jumps in like hey I overheard what you were saying and like I'm like the really good, I'm like a really good guy. Like I heard that there was a need. And so I went ahead and started to find a solution. I found this boy and he has a, a loaf of bread and he, uh, you know, five loaves of bread and he has two fish. So like, it, it, am I a good guy? Like, do I get a gold star next to my name? Like, aren't I really special? Like he's either responding that way or he's really being sarcastic, isn't he? Uh, because Andrew overhears this conversation between Jesus, Jesus and Philip, and he's like, well, I found a kid. He's got five loaves and two fish, but ha, 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 what could you possibly do with that, Jesus? Like, feed everybody? Ha, 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 I don't think that was the response. You don't think that was the response? No, from Andrew's response to meeting Jesus earlier in John. Sure. Compared to that, like, he ran around to his brother and called Simon, oh, my goodness, we found Jesus, the Messiah. Like, I think you'd be excited. Hey, Jesus, I found this kid who's got food for us, and um, maybe you could use that because I don't, I don't know, but maybe you could use it. I know it's only five loaves and two small fish, but, they, I mean, it's a possibility you could use this to feed the 5,000 men. Sure. Like so, I mean, you've, you've, got these, you've got these two guys 
that are totally just jumping on to uh, the, the, the question of what Jesus is seeing. He sees the need, Jesus sees the need, and he's going to supply the need. And so those are the two points that I wanted to talk about today or really bring out of this passage of scripture, and that is that Jesus involves the disciples and Jesus supplies the need. Um, often we think that we're the suppliers of the need. Like we see a need, the Holy Spirit prompts us, speaks to our heart, speaks to our mind, and we are given an idea and we go out to try and do that idea. And then all of a sudden we start claiming all the credit as if we're the one that did it. And the reality is, is Jesus is the one that put the idea into our heart, put the idea into our mind through the power of the Holy Spirit. He spoke to us and he involves us in helping all of humanity. And so in a time like this, like this is our last day, praise the Lord of curfew in Punjab. We start lockdown tomorrow. Yay! But at least we have relaxation hours. And Addison, you in America, you've been on stay at home. And so You've had people that have tried to do things in order to make themselves famous by, by special tactics, whether it's a YouTube thing or whether it's an Instagram thing or it's a TikTok thing or it's a Facebook thing or it's we, we, we scheduled drones and we put them in the sky over by Vanderbilt and they made all these special designs in the sky or the blue angels flew over our city or here in India, the helicopters flew over the hospitals in Delhi and they dropped flowers for the healthcare workers. Like we are constantly looking for ways that we can praise ourselves. And what we see in this need moment of John chapter 6 is we see Jesus supplying the need and he's incorporating his disciples. And, and I think that's so important for us to recognize today. And so what are a few ways that Jesus incorporated the disciples that we read in this passage of scripture? He got all of them to make the men sit down. Yeah, he had them all sit down. Yeah. And so he got them to have all of the people seated. Now, uh, let me ask a question. Do you think that 12 disciples got 5,000 people to sit down? No. It just says, make the men sit down. It doesn't say how many disciples he was talking to. It just says, tell them to sit down. Right. But why is it so often that we, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, why is it that we always just say that Jesus had 12 disciples in a situation like this where he had them all sit down and he had them sit down in groups? And there's other, this is the only miracle that Jesus performed that's actually in all four of the gospels of the New Testament. And there's other portion where the, Jesus ha, it says Jesus had them sit in groups of 50 and 100. And so they're counting them out. You think 12 guys went through five thousand people and counted out 50 and 100 people into a group or do you think they had there was actually more people that were involved in this in this uh, process of making an organizational move of sitting the people down i think it'd be more people more people than 12 because 12 I think people so. would take way too long to count 5,000 men plus there was more than just the men Exactly. Okay, so plus there was more than just the men. So if we got 5,000 people, we've got more than just the men, um, then, then we're, uh, we're talking numerous people into 10,000, maybe even 15,000 people that we're talking about. And so Jesus is in, incorporating more than just the 12 disciples. Mm -hmm. 
What is another thing that um, the disciples were responsible for in this miracle? Do you know, Mallory? No? They distributed the food. They did. They distributed the food. And so, again, now let's go back to the fact that there's 12 guys. There's 5,000 men. Addison brought up the fact that there's more than just 5,000 men. There's probably women and children there as well. And, uh, and you think 12 people went and did all of that work to get everybody fed in a timely, orderly fashion so that that way it wasn't taking all day long? No, I think he used more than 12 people. Uh, Then you have them doing one other thing. They made sure everyone ate because doesn't it say that they ate and they were filled? Mm -hmm. So they were all, they all ate, they were all filled. And then what did the disciples do afterwards? Gathered up the leftovers, the fragments that remain. Yeah. So then they go through and they gather up the fragments that remain and there's 12 basketfuls. Now, this is where people would get confused and say, oh, well, 12 basketfuls, that means there was only 12 people distributing the food and gathering up all the food. But I mean, come on, how often have you been to a restaurant? Let's take Chili's here at the Elante Mall. Do they have 12 servers only in Chili's? No. How many do they have? I don't know. I mean, gosh, they've got three people at the door when we enter into the mall, don't they? True. 20, you think? 20. And they all rotate. And they all rotate. And then that's not counting the people that are in the back. No. I mean, the people we never see, right? And then there's the person that's in charge, making sure all the servers are doing their jobs and et cetera. I mean, it takes 20 people to, and I think I've seen the sign of the capacity, seating capacity in there is 200 people. And we're talking 5,000 men. And we want to say that only 12 disciples did all of this work. Uh, because what we want to do is we want to try and um, uh, shrink the kingdom of God to fit our narrative so that that way we aren't responsible for our community, but we're just responsible for the people that are in our family and nobody else. But Jesus is involving all of his disciples. He wants all of his disciples to participate because he wants the whole community to be ministered to. And so When we do this idea of trying to limit God that only these 12 people and no more were his disciples, we're also saying that God limits how he works and who he works for. And the reality is, is God so loved the world, not God so loved the Israelites, God so loved the Jews, God so loved the person who is a Christian. God, No, God so loved the world that he gave Jesus so that that way all mankind can be provided for. And so I think that this is very important for us uh, to recognize. And then I just wanted to ask, can you see the importance of the order in the seating of the people? Can you see that there's an importance there? Right. I mean, I'm just asking, can you see that there would be an importance that the people sit down? I mean, have you ever stood and and ate before? No. Yes. Yeah, actually, yes. Yeah, we've stood stood and eaten eaten before. Especially whenever we go to parties and stuff and there's no place to sit. Right. And it's just a big open lot and you stand and eat. Multiple parties here in India. Wedding parties, birthdays, all that other stuff. It's just, you stand and eat. There's no place to sit. Sure. And so there is an importance to the fact that the people are sitting, uh, sitting down and hearing uh, from Jesus. They, they would have, he, he's feeding them in more than one way. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. He's feeding them spiritually, 
right? He's preaching to them and then he's feeding them physically. He's giving them a physical meal that they can then eat and take with uh, that, that is digesting in their stomach when they leave to go on to Jerusalem. And so, um, so there's an importance to this uh, seating order and having them sit down. What are you pointing out? I said, I find it funny how it's tells us that there was there was much grass in the place yeah. and that's why the men sat right. down because there was grass right. if it was all dirt they wouldn't sit down but yeah. there was much grass in the place so the men sat down on the ground right and so you see the importance there yeah. it's amazing that there is the there are these intricate details in scripture that we can so easily overlook that there's much grass so the men sat and how often have you or I even traveled around uh, northern India and when we get to a park, um, people are on the outside of the park, they're standing, they're leaning against the car, they're leaning against a tree, they're squatting to the point where they're not sitting on the ground, but you pay your 10 rupees, you enter the park, and then all of a sudden, what's everybody doing? Laying on the grass, laying on the grass and sitting on the grass. Right, exactly. And so I think that that's kind of funny because we think that Christianity is, uh, people think that Christianity is westernized, but this is kind of a symbolic gesture to us to show us that the West isn't where Christianity developed. The Christianity developed right here in the East, and it's important for the people to sit down, and it's important that there's grass, but also in the terminology of Jesus as the shepherd, he's the shepherd, and we are his sheep, what does Jesus do but provide a place for us to gather so that that way we can graze? And at the same time, in this lush valley portion of near the Tiberius uh, River waterway, Jesus is feeding his sheep. He's feeding them spiritual food and he's feeding them physical food and he's doing it not alone, but he's involving the disciples. I think that that's pretty incredible stuff. Do you guys have any other, um, any, any other um, things to bring out uh, in accordance with this? Okay. Uh, did you notice that the role of the disciples in regards uh, of what they did in this passage of scripture, do you notice anything that would correlate with the way we live our lives today? Like Jesus calling us and in, involving us. How does he involve us today in his ultimate mission? How does he speak to our hearts? How does he use us um, in regards to doing ministry today? Just like the disciples. He used the disciples to seat the people. He used the disciples to distribute the food. He used the disciples to gather up the food. What is it today that Jesus is speaking to us to do in order to continue to spread his message? Like, I know this is a personal question and maybe you don't want to answer it, but what is it that he speaks to? I mean, is he still speak to us and involve us in his ministry? This isn't complete. I mean, it has to do with your question as well, but also something that I noticed while you were talking about the distribution of the bread. Uh-huh. how the disciples distributed the bread, but Jesus is the one who provided the bread. And just as much as you can overlook the fact that uh, that there were more than 12 disciples, you can also overlook the fact that the Lord is the one that provided the bread. And instead, you just recognize on the people distributing of what the Lord has provided. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I guess 
part of it is recognizing that God has provided us with that bread and that fish, our sustenance. Because sometimes it can be so easy to feel like He hasn't. He hasn't given us what we want or what we need. But then it's also taking that time to recognize these people have been fed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree 100%. It's isn't, it, isn't technology great that Addison can join us from America today? It's so much fun. But it, um, but, but it goes into, from what Addison was saying, it goes into your question of asking, does God still use us today, 2020? Right. Absolutely he does because as Addison clearly pointed out, as you know, Jesus was there and the miracle of the breaking of the bread fed multitudes but through that miraculous miracle, the people, the disciples, the ones who distributed the bread got to be a partaker of that to distribute. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, the people there knew, hey, how did we get this bread? How did, the, how did we get this bread? And no one just like rumors were just spreading fast. Well, I think that man up there, Jesus, oh my goodness, what in the world? What? There was a lad that had, you know, this fish and this amount of loaves of right. bread. and And so... When we're proclaiming Christ Jesus as our all in all, we're to remember to proclaim his fame, not our fame. Yeah. And it's very easy to get caught up in, in a, when speaking of the gospel or the walk of life of, um, if you are a Christian or, I mean, or you're just simply sharing, you know, your story. And it could be so confused of like, man, that is such a cool story. And we can eliminate, well, you know, well, God was really there and I really prayed and he really helped me through. And my full reliance was on him. But sometimes we miss that part and we don't say that part because we're kind of afraid, oh man, somebody's going to think I'm a radical Christian or um, I'm going to over-spiritualize this. And so therefore I eliminate the God part and just say, oh, well, I, I did this on my own accord. I knew I needed to make this change in my life. And I became reliant upon, you know, what I knew. I did all this self-study. I did all this self-help to help me through. And we've totally eliminated God. But then our story becomes even more known because, oh, look what this person did and how they yeah. accomplished this. Yeah. And therefore, God's removed out of the whole fact. Whereas Addison was saying, with this, the, the loaves being distributed, we can so focus on the disciples and that food being distributed because we could say, how did, how did we get this bread? How did we get this fish? Oh, well, because, you know, I did it. Or we Didn't could you say, see me handing it out? Or right. you see me with a basket full of fish and bread? Right. Or we can just say, my master, you know, Jesus, he, he prayed over the food and, and we keep having multitudes and multi, it just keeps growing and, and you're not going to be without. And that's the cool factor of who Christ Jesus is. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's a very valuable point. Yeah, no, I agree. Did you have anything to add, son? No. Mallory, anything else? No. So, I mean, I, I, I see the evidence of Christ moving in every moment of every, every day in the, in the regards of when I walk out the door or 
let's just start with when I raise up in the morning. I mean, I, I cannot um, give credit to myself for being able to wake up in the morning because there have been mornings that, uh, you know, the possibility of me not, I mean, I've had health problems at, at times where uh, it's been a, a struggle that maybe I wouldn't wake up the next morning. But the person who gave me breath, Jesus, is the one that continues to supply my every need, just like he supplied the needs for the 5,000, he supplies my need today, whatever that need is. And, and the amazing part is, is that he involves me to make sure that the supply goes forth. And I can't claim credit for that. I can't say, oh, what a good boy am I? Give me a gold star. That's kind of why I was alluding to that with Andrew um, saying that was because I wanted to point out that that is the way that we today so often try and claim credit because we want the popularity and we don't want God to get his due worship, glory, and reverence, because maybe even deep down inside of us, we don't really think that he is using us. We think that we're the one that actually meets the need. Maybe we think that that money in our bank account really was earned by us, not the fact that God provided us with a job so that that way we could earn the money, so that that way we could then help the less fortunate. Like we start becoming so self-reliant and the whole reality is we are servants. We are vessels. And are we vessels of honor? Absolutely. We are vessels of honor for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are vessels of honor for our master so that that way we can recognize that we are not alone. Because have you ever gone through one of those moments that you feel like I'm all alone and maybe God's not even here with me at this moment? And in those moments, we get depressed because we really think, oh, it's only me. Elijah did it in the Old Testament. Shucks, Moses did it. And he's one of the, the patriarchs of, of Israel. And I know I do it sometimes where I feel like everybody's against me. Oh, I'm all by myself. But the reality is, is I am a servant of the most high God and he is with me. And so um, we've been getting into this a lot of Jesus supplying because that's what he did. He supplied the loaves and the fishes. And that's our second point. So the first point was, is he involves us as his disciples. And the second part is, as he supplies our needs. So I just want to refresh our memory. The moment of this miraculous occurrence is happening during the Passover time. And the Passover time was, is obviously being remembered by those that are gathered, these 5,000 men that are gathered. And they are uh, remembering that this is a, a a celebration of what God had done for their forefathers, rescuing them who were slaves in Egypt and promising them a few things. And so they, uh, the, the things that they would remember from the Passover story is that Moses would go to Pharaoh and he would say, let my people go so they can go into the wilderness to worship the Lord. Fast forward to this specific um, um, miracle and the Israelites are in the wilderness worshiping the Lord. They're hearing the teachings of Jesus in the wilderness. What God had promised is fulfilled. God promised the Israelite slaves a promised land. You fast forward to this miracle, and here the Israelites are worshiping the Lord in the promised land. They wandered the wilderness 
and the tabernacle that they would worship at in order to celebrate the Passover during their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness was a tent. Now the tabernacle is in the main city, the city of Jerusalem, in the promised land. God continued to supply the needs of his people. He would let them know what was happening. He would give them the information of what was happening, and then he would provide and he would meet those needs. And what an amazing God we have that supplies all our needs. And so you have men and women and children that are here. They're hungry. They're traveling. They're celebrating the Passover. It's time to eat. And Jesus supplies their spiritual food by preaching and their physical food with loaves and fishes. Wow, God has supplied their needs. And so what is it that maybe in your life today, or maybe, you know, if you want to share, what is it that God has done to supply a need for you that you can recognize and kind of give a testimony of, man, this is how good God is. I've been in curfew or I've been in safe at home uh, studying, and yet God has supplied, supplied for me. He's supplied my needs. And I'll kick it off while you guys think about it. And it is that Addison has started a Maymaster. She started another semester in her school. And that means that there's a cost associated with that. And I can remember back in uh, August of last year going into the financial aid office with Addison and sitting down with the financial aid officer. And the guy looked at her, and, at Addison, and he just simply said, hey, did you receive the scholarship for your GP for your good grades? And Addison goes, um, no, like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And he goes, hang on a second. Let me, let me go fix that for you. And he walks away and he comes back and he goes, okay, $4,000 has been knocked off of your bill. And we're like, huh? And he's like, yeah, because you've got good grades. And and I mean, this is a school that's got 10,000 people in it. I mean, this is a school that we walk into financial aid and you're just a number. You're not a person per se. And yet he looked at Addison and he goes, hey, did you get the scholarship for your good grades? Not only that, then we go over and we sit at a table and we talk about the plan and we talk about the fact that we're, we're going to be leaving America for India in order to continue our career path and Addison's going to stay at Belmont and, and that she's going to do a Maymaster. And in August of 2019, he says, that's great. You need to make sure you save up money because in May we don't offer any kind of grants or scholarships. And yet just the other day, Addison sent me a text message and she said, guess what? I've got half of my Maymester paid for through grants and scholarships. And then she sent me a message another day and she goes, hey, guess what? I got a thousand dollar grant off of uh, because of the COVID-19 thing and the school's given me another thousand bucks. I mean, God has continued to supply for our needs, your needs, Addison, in the midst of what we feel like is a complete standstill. And yet God is still completely working. And I mean, that's just a little testimony of what I've seen him do during this pandemic personally for, uh, for me and for my daughter. I think that's amazing. So has God supplied any, and, and maybe that's taking your testimony. I apologize, Addison. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, are, what are the things that God's doing to supply for our needs? We've, we've, we've never gone without like, even though before the pandemic struck, like, it was March 25th, and 
India went on complete lockdown and then where we live at specifically went to curfew and um, we hadn't grocery shopped in 10 days. So, I mean, our cupboards were already bare and then they're like, well, you can't go out. Okay. All right. So how in the world are we going to get groceries? I mean, we, we had a, we had a little bit and we had some nuts. We definitely had like three things of peanut butter. And so peanut butter and parley G, parley G is just a, a little biscuit, a cracker that became, you know, Hey, that's becomes lunch. And then like after a week of, um, of being in curfew and okay, there's going to be no lift. Well, then, then there was a market that opened up um, downstairs in the apartment complexes that we live in, and you could really just really get the bare essentials. And then that evening, we finally had um, a veggie uh, walla, uh, so we, we could get our veggies and some fruits, you know, depending on. And so, I mean, things just started slowly, slowly coming because you could just always fill in the body. Like, the body is like okay, you're going to need some vitamin C here. Okay, you're really missing out on your greens right now. Okay, you are really depleting in your vitamin intake. But the Lord knew what vitamins we needed. And so like, there was an abundance of oranges, you know, for a week. Okay, we're going to we're going to eat oranges and then the next week there was no more oranges and there was apples. Okay, we're going to stock up on our apple intake and strawberries. And strawberries and then, you know, now it's mango season. All right, let's let's, you know, eat eat that. So I mean, it's it's always seasonal, but it's always what our bodies are needing and what our bodies are craving. So we've have not gone without. I mean, there's always been rice, there's always been flour, and there has always been a need of veggies and fruit, and it came at the right time. So during the pandemic, where I thought, what does an essential look like? We're on it, and but the Lord supplied. Absolutely, I agree. Anybody else? You have something? Uh-huh. All right, hit it. I say that God provided for us that you did not get pulled over whenever you went shopping yesterday. Okay. Sure. So the curfew's been relaxed. There's relaxation hours, and I was able to go to the market and get some food at Reliance Fresh, and uh, and uh, yeah, everything was just and smooth supplies. and cleaning supplies, and everything was smooth sailing. You know, it was just going out and and being able to uh, start getting back to the new normal, kind of a thing. Yeah, absolutely. And so I. I think it's important that in both of these testimonies that Blair and I have given so far, and you guys keep thinking, in Mallory, in Mallory, uh, these three important testimonies that we just talked about are so important for us to recognize that it was God that was supplying the need. Like we had a need, we didn't know how it was going to be provided for, and yet God supplied. And sometimes, like he even oversupplied in the areas of providing things that we didn't need. Because like Blair was mentioning, essentials. But shucks, there were times that I went down into the basement and she had um, chocolates. Yeah. Well, wow, when did chocolate become an essential? I don't care because it's an essential now as far as I'm concerned. You know, Hey, I've got flour and I've got, um, I've got jaggery and I can 
break it up into a, a powder so that that way I can make chocolate chip cookies. You know, I mean, shucks, we'll find, we'll find a way to do something and we'll find a way to continue to provide what isn't even an essential and turn it into a luxury because uh, God has gifted us with the ability as a family to bake. And, and we have this asset, these tools, uh, we have an oven and we have electricity that hasn't gone out. He's continued to supply our every need. And we could sit there and we could say, oh, it's the government. Oh, it's because the police officers let this person through or, oh, it's because of, and we can so easily look at it being man and overlook the fact that it's God supplying all our needs. Or we can look at the fact that God is utilizing or he's involving mankind in order to continue to supply the needs for his people because that's exactly what he's doing he is utilizing us he's using us as his creation to continue to supply the need for his people now do you guys have anything uh, that you wanted to share uh, something that he supplied and and met your needs of today I did, but you didn't answer, so I'm asking again. Uh, <laughs> I haven't really been in need of anything, so I guess it's already su- pre-supplied. Like, we've had our school this whole time because we're homeschooled, and I mean, that's probably a need that all of us have is our education, and he's already supplied it for us because we do it at home, and we brought all our curriculum with us, and so we already have what we need to get an education to continue in life. And he's already supplied us with food, electricity, water, internet, um, like all that we need. So I'm not in want of anything. And so basically I think maybe that uh, he has supplied us, he already knew this was coming here in the future or where we are now. Right. And so that whenever we in the past had planned these things out and stuff like that. We did not know what was coming in the future, but he knew that he would already have supplied this for us in the future. Like in 2008 or nine, whenever mommy started homeschooling us, he knew in the future that that's going to be important for us right now during this pandemic. Sure. Absolutely. And going on in the future. And it was important in the past and it's been important this whole time. Yeah. But he's been working through everything this whole time. And so that way we're in need of nothing. Yeah, exactly. Or in want, I don't want anything. In want of nothing. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did you have anything, Addison? It's okay if you don't. The question is kind of difficult for me. Okay, why is that? Because sometimes... I don't know. It's hard. What I think I need and what God thinks I need are very different. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I mean, reflecting back on it and seeing all that the Lord has provided and recognizing the blessings that are in my life, um, I guess that's just what I need to do more of um, because it's easy to focus on the things that I don't have. Sure. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And that is, that is something that can cause us to, um, uh, to, uh, you know, be, be forgetful or, or be in a place of, 
um, sometimes misunderstanding, you know, because we want what we want when we want it. And it, and, and we don't always necessarily get it. Blair's hugging the screen. Like, you know, it, like we, I mean, we, we love, we love you so much, Addison, and we wish that you were here with us, uh, because our plan was, um, that she was going to do her May master in Spain and then she was going to come here to India. And, and yet during the pandemic, we haven't been able to see that happen, but that doesn't mean that God didn't still supply for our every need. And so in the midst of our disappointments, we struggle with, um, uh, focusing on that, giving so much attention to that and not the goodness of who God is in the moments that we're in. And, uh, does that make us, uh, um, you know, a bad believer or a bad Christian or a bad person? No, not even close. It makes us human. It makes us normal. It makes us completely real. And, uh, and, and, and those are very, you're very right, Addison. It's a, it's a huge struggle, uh, even for me to think, man, I, I wanted this and I wanted it by this date or by this age or by this time. And the supply didn't happen in accordance with the way I wanted it to happen. And so therefore I start finding other people or other circumstances to blame or even God to blame. And, um, the reality is, is he, he's not to blame. He's to be trusted. He's continuing to supply. But you can share, but you can still share that with Christ. We are to continue to have a conversation with Christ. And God wants to hear what you are going through. He wants to know what's disturbing you. He wants to know the frustrations. He wants to know of, man, I, today is just a difficult day of curfew time, or today's just a different, different day of, you know, right now in India, we're on a lockdown 4.0. Today's just a different day of lockdown, you know, 4.0. I still can't go out. I cannot hug a person. Um, I have to wear a snuggly mask. What is, you know, what's a snuggly mask? Do I have a snuggly mask? And I want to snuggle, I want to snuggle a hug. You know, that's great that we're to wear a mask and all, but I still want to hug. I still want to touch. I still want to be with, you know, crowds and crowds and crowds of people and, God wants to hear that. God wants to, you don't have to refrain from talking to God if you feel ugly on the inside because yeah. God wants to, he's there for you, the good, bad, and ugly. Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree. Yeah, because uh, mommy said conversation with God is that we're not only supposed to talk to God when we're in our times of trouble or during lockdown or anything like that. Even if it's, just you walking down the street, you can say, oh, all right, hey, I'm going to talk to God right now. Sure. And start praying in the middle of the street when you're doing your work, when you're uh, doing anything, really. It, good, like she said, good, bad, or anything like that. It doesn't matter because God's always there to talk to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even when, you feel like, even when you feel like there's no one else there, he's always there to talk to you and be a listening ear. Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree and, uh, and, and appreciate all of the transparency of all, you know, everybody today is, it's just been so amazing. Um, so the final question as we, we start closing up is, is today, where do you find yourself? Are you, um, are you needing God to meet a need or are you a servant of the Lord that is able to help provide other people with a miracle? Say again. The second one. You're the second one. I mean, he, you know, he, 
Either, either one requires us to be dependent, fully dependent on God's strength. It, 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 it requires us to trust in him. It requires us to um, turn away from self-dependence and self-reliance and seek after his face and be fully dependent on him. And so I'm just going to ask that again. You know, are you uh, needing God to meet a need? Or are you a person that God is using in order to provide a miracle for somebody else? And maybe you're in both situations. Maybe you're both because didn't the disciples, didn't they also need to eat? Uh, you know, they're supplying the need through the miracle that Christ has provided, but they also had to sit down and eat themselves. And so, uh, uh, you know, maybe you're a third option of, of both, you know, it's both and, and that's okay. That makes us all human. And, uh, and what I want to encourage or what we want to encourage as a family is for that dependence to be not on ourselves, but to be fully reliant on God and fully trusting in him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that doesn't mean we don't have our struggles or our hardships or our times where we doubt. Of course we do. But the reality is, is that he's always right there with us, providing our needs. And then he's also utilizing us as his agents of change, help, compassion, perseverance, encouragement, like he uses us in all these amazing ways that we cannot even fathom the, um, the total uh, uh, ministry aspect of what we're doing in other people's lives, not just our families, not just our parents, not just our cousins, but our neighbors in our communities around us. And, uh, and so that, that's, that's what I have at the end of my, um, of my notes. Is there anything else? I mean, there's so much information here, um, that we've read about today and there's so much that we've talked about, but is there anything that I'm, I'm missing or anything that you wanted to add in on, uh, before we go today? Addison? No? Okay. And Mallory? I, I, I do, because we did go through verse 15. Yeah. And, um, and at the end, I know this is, this is the message. The people realized that God, this is John chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. The people realized that God was at work among them and what Jesus had just done. They said, this is the prophet for sure. God's prophet right here in Galilee. Jesus saw that in their enthusiasm, they were about to grab him and make him king. So he slipped off and went back up the mountain to be by himself. Mm -hmm. Even Christ Jesus in that moment wanted God to shine. Right. And I, I mean, and not forgetting the an incredible miracle that just happened. And in that moment of where Jesus could be like, that 100% man going, ha, 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 here I am. Even he had to recognize in that 100% man, 100% God moment of, I'm to slip off and to make my father shine. Yeah. May God's glory and may his fame be recognized, not mm -hmm. mine, right. but God my father. Yeah. So even in the humanly aspect of us, you know, you know, seeing the disciples and how, how they worked and they held and they, you know, helped Jesus. And in that moment, even Jesus had to help him own self to give full glory to God.
Mm. Just what it's powerful. Yeah. Because it just shows that the, the humanness of of Christ Jesus that it, sometimes I think we forget. Sure. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Thank you for that insight. Addison, will you close us in prayer today? If you'll hand her over here to me. <laughs> Go ahead. Thank you, for Lord, for allowing us all to gather together here um, and be in your presence, even though in different countries. Um, I pray for the word that you have blessed us with, Lord, and the quiet, still, soft voice that you leave us all with, giving us a sense of peace, assurance, and rest uh, within our day-to-day lives. Um, I pray that we may all have an incredible Sunday. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we pray the Lord's blessings upon you.